Thanks for joining our last Pride Pod episode. We are closing here with a conversation empowering us to accept you and stand up for those who are different from us. These two friends talk about allyship in their personal journeys and what it looks like to not only walk alongside others, but also reach out our hands to lift them up. Please note that these conversations are based on employees' personal experiences and are not reflective of the HM brand. Hi, my name is Lori Holloman. I am a service recovery manager. Um, I go by she, her. My pronouns are she, her. Um, and I would like to introduce you to my friend, Jeff. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Jeff Doris. I am a member advocate with Happy Money. I've been here for about a year now, and my pronouns are he, him. In honor of Pride Month, we are going to be discussing what taking ownership looks like as an ally. But first, I wanted to ask you, Jeff, what does Pride mean to you? Pride means to me is specifically exactly what it sounds like. It's it's my pride. It's the pride I have in my community, my friends, and even my family, especially, you know, the members of the LGBT community who just happen to coincide within that Venn diagram. Pride Month to me is a time where specifically those people can kind of take the reins and they can kind of show like what they're proud of specifically to show like that they're proud of themselves uh, and that they don't have to be like afraid of themselves especially because like a you know like state to state and even city to city I feel like that's a whole different ecosystem in itself so when I think of like the pride I have here I'm based in Des Moines Iowa Uh, when I think of like the pride that we have here I think of you know, like the, the the stellar exemplary things that we've done and the way we've made safe spaces for anyone of all ages, all races and all orientations, whether gender or sexual within the Metro here. So that that to me is like, you know, the pride in the community I have and the, the community that we built. Um, so how about you? My, I feel like my definition is very similar to yours. Um, I also believe it's being your true authentic self and having being proud of who you are. I think sometimes we like to hide ourselves no matter who it is, and we don't like to showcase who we are, but it's also taking that pride and having your beliefs and, and, and believing in others and doing all the things that you can do um, just to show that we are all unique. Um, and again, having, like you said, that pride, being proud of who you are, where you come from, um, your background. Um, whether it's race, religion, whatever you believe in, it's still having that pride and believing in yourself as well as others and your community, just all the things that you said. So Jeff, tell me a little bit about your journey as an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, definitely. So it started with, you know, my family. Um, I mentioned this before, but I come from a family with uh, two different religions. And uh, from the get go, when as as soon as I could speak, my parents told me, you know, things are going to be a little different. It's going to be you might be the only one in your class who looks the way you do or thinks the way you do. Uh, I don't want I don't ever want and my parents told me I don't ever want you to feel admonished or feel different because of that. And then as my sister got into high school, a lot of her friends uh, had come out safely, thankfully. Um, but, you know, my parents were always telling them, you know, like if, if anyone ever gives you trouble um, or if you ever feel unsafe, you have a space at this table. And I take that phrase to heart because I feel like we spent a lot of our life at a table, whether it be the dinner table every year at Thanksgiving, we're at a table. 
from your school desk all the way up until you become an adult and then you have your work desk. Uh, giving someone a seat at that table specifically is a big leap, especially for, you know, like something that can be very different and very uncomfortable for a lot of people. So uh, with my friends, with my sister's friends who had come out as either gay or lesbian or bisexual, all the way to me, we have a 10 year age gap, all the way to me who sees those same things and knew how to handle those situations. Uh, I feel like I kind of got to experience that journey firsthand like growing up and that's kind of what led me to be an ally and especially you know like I can only do so much as a kid mm-hmm. but like as an adult you know I can I can fundraise I can I can go on you know walks and marches I can sign petitions mm-hmm. and you know that to me is being you know as much as an ally is saying you know like you are my friend you know and you know it, it shows on paper and it shows like right like here I'm pointing you can't see it but I'm like pointing <laughs> to my heart and my chest so that's kind of like how I got into this journey um, as an ally. It's always just been kind of something that was, that just felt right. Mm-hmm. You know, being told that, you know, as a, as a minority in a Midwestern uh, state, that I'm going to be a bit different. I feel like, you know, I have to make space for the other people who look different. I feel like an advocate for everyone uh, in and out. Did you ever feel different though? Did you ever feel different? I know your parents kind of helped yes. you see that, but did you feel that? absolutely okay. yeah definitely um growing up uh, you know in high school there were i'd say me and 10 other asian kids and um for reference my mom is from thailand and my dad's from indonesia and you know we all got along great but and we kind of recognized each other and we did you know uplift and you know help each other out as those hard times came mm-hmm. uh and i definitely it did feel different you know i got some questions that didn't come with you know malice or intent but just um, just questions that I've had to, you know, kind of reconfigure for education. I've been asked, do you eat dogs and cats? Um, is, um, like, is there a difference between, like, Chinese and Japanese? Like, oh, can you say something in Lao? And, you know, those questions, they never hurt me, but I always use them as kind of like a educational stance. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't eat, you know, dogs and cats, but my dad makes a really good brisket from cow and you know it's like they kind of really they're kind of like oh he's he's kind of just like me you know he 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 eats pizza he goes to the same high school I do I think um speaking of just like uh just specifically being Asian I think the only time I've ever had to advocate for that was the was the more immigrated other students mm-hmm. who um didn't speak English as their first language and I remember going up to them and specifically being like like in the best like choppy English I could like if anyone bothers you 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 come find me mm-hmm. and i'll take care of that and then ever since then i was like i wish i could do that for everyone and that's kind of when i realized you know even more as um as a teenager becoming an adult i was like i can do the same thing you know for my lgbt friends and like for example my friend i remember we graduated and she had come out of the closet as a lesbian and i was like i'm going to tell you the same thing i told you know the esl students if anyone like messes with you, you they have to deal with me. And I remember when she went off to college 45 minutes away, I was like, it's a 45 minute drive. It still stands no matter what. And mm-hmm. uh, even in college, I'm glad she, you know, nothing happened thankfully. And, you know, she found a community where she was, ex- uh, you know, accepted. And, you know, I feel like I got to say that. And thankfully, like, you know, like I got to put that into my actions and we'll kind of get into a, a bit more about that later. Like as I 
talk about like the hobbies and communities that I'm in. Uh, Lori, can you tell me a bit about your story as an ally to the community? Yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting how we kind of parallel to a degree. Um, you know, growing up, I think I've always been a little bit different from my family, just my belief system, um, same type of thing as you. I grew up in a, um, a very multicultural um, area in which it was just kind of like everybody accepted everybody or, you know, of course, so I think because that's what I believed in. Um, you know, and as I grew older, um, you know, I met my uh, husband and um, he was African-American and um, so we were in an interracial relationship. And I think that's the first time that I've been met with some sort of adversity um, being in a, in a, in a really interracial relationship back then in the nineties, you know, believe it or not, like people still did have strong belief systems, even within my family. Um, and that was a challenge for me to overcome. Um, and same type of thing as you, it's kind of like, I just want to accept everybody. People are people. It doesn't matter the skin. It doesn't matter the race, the religion, people are people. We should all be treated the same. Um, my brother also came out as gay. Um, well, actually I found out he was gay in the nineties when, um, I was visiting him in Hawaii and I went to go look for a shirt and I found a shirt that said, I'm not gay, but my boyfriend is. And I, but he never came out to us at that point. And so, um, I kept that to myself cause I'm like, this is his news, not mine. I'm not going to go tell my mom. I'm not going to go tell my sister. I'll let him come out when he's ready. And I never confronted him about it again. This was up to him. Um, and he finally came out to my mom, um, you know, years later. And then, so we've been met with different types of adversity within the family. And of course, everybody accepted him. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure everybody knew about him within my family. Um, he unfortunately did pass away in 2006. And um, my, one of my children, my middle child, um, who is my trans son, um, came out to me as gay in his sophomore year of high school, um, which I already knew. I already knew he was gay. It's just uh, you you have if you observe your children and you see what they do and you pay attention, you you can know these things. It's like you have that that bond with them. Um, but and I saw signs of him being trans, but he just came out to me last year about being trans. Um, and I realized that when he came out to me as gay a sophomore year, I realized I never told him about my brother and he was only two years old when my brother passed away. So of course I share stories about my brother and cause I, I felt like he really didn't know him and that was my fault because I don't feel like I set that up properly for him to understand, um, or to be there or to feel accepted. And so, um, I feel that throughout the years, um, there's just been different things that have driven me to be accepting. I feel like it's always been the person who I am based off of my friends, my family, my children. Um, but at the same time, when my son did come out to me as trans, I don't feel that because it took him so long to do so. Um, it made me stop and say, what am I doing that doesn't make you feel comfortable in telling me these things? Why is it taking you so long? I've known it. I've seen it. I've seen all the signs. Um, and I think it was a little bit more about acceptance of him and himself to himself and making sure this is who he was and how he identified before he actually came out to me. But I think at the same time, it's kind of that pride, right? It's that, it's that acceptance. It's being proud of who you are. Um, but it made me realize, I think there's things I could have done differently myself, even though I think I'm open. I think I'm doing all these things as I should be. I realized there was also things that I could have been doing better as well, um, to make him feel safe. And I'm not sure that I 
I've always done that. Um, so that's kind of my origin of my, you know, support of the community, again, friends, family, um, and, and really now children in, in, um, living life to, to who they are, their authentic self. And, and I'm all for it. I support it one, 100%. Um, but it hasn't always been an easy road. Um, so I would love to hear from you, Jeff, what have you, you know, it's not always comfortable. And you've said the things that you've had to deal with so far, it's not always comfortable being that ally. What have you had to do to go against the status quo um, when you meet that resistance from others? I've had to go against my own family on this, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so I come from like a very traditional uh, Asian family. And, you know, it was a, I, I hate to, you know, you know, push, a, uh, push for the stereotype, but it was very much like, we were expected to get good grades, we were expected to get good jobs, get married, and then have kids. And we were expected to, you know, have our own kids and be married to the opposite gender. And I remember growing up, I had a cousin named Andy. I, I still have, <laughs> I still have a cousin named Andy. He's still around. I have a cousin named Andy, and he's a little bit older than me. I think he's in his mid thirties now. But I remember growing up, he was just the coolest guy ever. Everyone knew him. All like all the family members like loved him. He was going to college for business school when I was in middle school, and the middle school was around the time when I kind of learned. I was like college is a big deal. Maybe I should start like looking into college or maybe think about what I want to do. And he was like, don't sweat it. You've got plenty of time. He always told me, you know, he always gave me the best advice. He told me, you've got plenty of time. You know, you've got all the time to think about, you know, like how you want to make your family proud, like how you want to like impact the world. And I remember like after college, he had come out as gay to his mom and dad. And his mom and dad, for the my, my aunt and uncle, for the lack of, like, phrase, they, like, freaked out. Like, um, his mom, my aunt, was in tears, and she didn't know what to do. And she was like, I'm never going to have grandkids. Mm. What she forgot was that Andy's older brother already had two kids. <laughs> and <laughs> my... Uh, my uncle was like, well, what do we do? Like, do we, do we send him to therapy? And I remember, I was like, I remember specifically, like, I was, I remember being in the house at the time and I was like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, why would you say that about your own son? He just graduated business school. Like he went to college. He's got like a great job lined up for him. He's still like the same Andy that you guys grew up with. And you dare say that about him. I remember specifically saying, like, you dare say that about your own son. And I remember my mom, I did pretty much say the same thing because they didn't want to hear it from a kid. And I remember, like, not just, like, just, like, not speaking, like, with them for a while um, just because of that. And I was, I just, like, I, I remember, like, just being so outraged about it. And then I remember at school, like I had mentioned, like, when I had, like, when I was leaving high school, a lot of my friends were as becoming adults they were kind of figuring out their sexual and their gender identity and i remember it was it was either you you got funny looks or you lost friends because of it and it it was it was interesting because i it was the same thing it was like well what is wrong with you guys like you know like what why would why would it ever be like you know why it's the same person you've like gone to high school and even middle school with forever 
why does it even yeah. matter? Why does yeah, it, why does it even matter? Orientation, yeah. which is very specific to the person, matter to you? Yeah. And and thankfully, like things have kind of, you know, mellowed out. It's been a long time since then. And, you know, Andy's got a husband in a really big house and he hosts Thanksgiving every year. And, you know, every everything's everything's good. But it's it, it's interesting because like when I think about like how I could ever say that to like a family member, I think about it and I'm like that would have like made or break like my relation with my family for the next 10 years just because like I was accepting of someone for who they wanted to be or who they are going to be for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. I do want to thank you for sharing the story about your son. It must have been hard, but you know, you realize he still had fears despite your efforts to create a safe space for your children. Um, I just wanted to bring up a quote that I found like on like the Trevor Project, which is like a very great resource for like parents, even like even like um, kids themselves trying to find out like who they are, how to like how to accept your family member for like who they are coming out or who they want to be. I think I think you know you did your research, you got uncomfortable you held yourself accountable. You asked, you know, like, what, what can I do better? You know, like, what is, you know, what fears do you have of telling me, you know, certain things about this or that? You listened. And I think going forward, I think it's important that allies like you and I just take action going forward. And I think you did a really good job of that going forward, especially for, you, you know, your brother and, you know, your son now. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's funny because, um, my son has friends who um, are also gay and um, are are still feel fearful to come out to their parents. And that just makes me sad. Like, I, I don't understand. We just had a conversation about this two nights ago about it because I had no clue one of his friends was still in the closet. And I'm like, I, I was just baffled by it. Just given his group of friends and, and knowing them and their parents, except for this one, I'm again, just floored by it. Um, and I, I think it's, it's one of those things about, you kind of touched on it as educating yourself. I think that is so important to do. Yeah. You may not understand it, but educate yourself. There's so much you can learn. Just like you going back to childhood where people would say to you, do you eat a dog? Do you eat this? Do you do this? It's like, if you educate yourself about the culture, there's many things you're going to learn about it. If you educate yourself, um, you know, within the community, there's so much you learn about it. Um, thank you for sharing about the Trevor Project. I also follow a lot of people on LinkedIn who are, um, you know, uh, voices of the community, the LGBTQ plus community. And I have learned so much even myself um, just through um, just people sharing not only their own stories, but just the things to say, like what you can do to support. And I don't know if you saw it, but somebody in our group chat um, you know, through an art department did share, like, what do you do to support the pride community? And yeah. somebody shared, I buy from those types of vendors, vendors that are yeah. in the LGBTQ plus community. And I was like, why did I never think about it? It's one of those right? things that yeah. you just don't think about. And I was like, fascinated by it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I should start. This is again, another way in which I can support. Um, I think there's so many things you can do going from the big, which is marching, you know, signing petitions, doing all the things, because, you know, there's so much legislature that's against the trans community right now that it's just, it's, it's awful. You know, there's so much you can do to help support the community, but even just down to buying products, um, you know, there's just, there's big and little things that you can do to help support, yeah. which is just amazing. So, um, but that, yeah. 
That brings me to like kind of like the question I uh, wanted to lead into. Um, so like within your ecosystem as well, mm-hmm. like as you have you know like your your children's friends and like your community itself, do you like are you met with any resistance when you're supporting like your son or even like your your his uh, his friends or even like uh, for example like uh, like you mentioned like buying from like you know vendors. Um, is that like something that's like I guess met with resistance or do you see or I guess I guess not actually I just realized that you mentioned that you you just like you just mentioned the phrase like oh I didn't think of that before so, right so I've never yeah. bought from vendors I will okay gotcha trust me. Yeah. I will definitely do that now um actually I found I found a couple of cute things that I'd like to buy for him too um but to answer your question yeah I think I've lost friends over it I think people um it's amazing what the things people say um Again, you've already you've already touched on it, but it is just amazing the things people say. But I also think going back to my his friend's mom, I think there's things that she says to her daughter that I don't think she realizes the way it sounds or how it's coming across, um, which is creating a very unsafe space, which is why she's not willing to share her own story. Um, but I've lost some friends over it. Um, and it's, it's kind of like you with your family and I feel the same way. Um, I think I go about it a little bit differently, um, in that you've been very vocal about it, which I admire. Um, I really admire that about you. Um, I I just, I don't entertain it. It's like, if you're not going to be accepting of my child, then we don't have time for it because unfortunately there's a very strong belief system out there that I feel you're, there's people you're not going to be able to change, but again, education, talking to people, hopefully sharing your story and getting people to understand is a step in the right direction. Um, but there's just those who just don't want to hear it. Um, you know, um, there, I was a little bit scared and I, I, again, had a little bit of a, um, you know, my son was really, he, he wasn't scared, but he was just nervous just in case I wasn't going to accept him. He said, I knew you were going to accept me, but there's always that chance that what if, and so when I, cause he asked me to share the news of my mom and my sister who were very close to, um, there was that, that, you know, um, chance that what if they didn't accept this from him? Like, what would this be? They all accepted it. They're like, uh, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, like, great. We'll call him Charlie now. And that's what it is. And okay. We, you know, we love him. This is unconditional love. It doesn't matter type of thing. And, um, but you know, for a split second, it was, it was a little bit of fear. Like what if this ends the relationship with my mom and sister, the two people that I'm closest to. Um, and you know, sometimes that is going to happen. Um, and you have to pick and choose your battles and you have to figure out what's going to be right for you. And if that ended it, that ended it. I knew deep down it wasn't going to, but you know what, if that's what it is, I'm always going to be here to support my kids. So, you know what, Jeff, it sounds like you had great examples of acceptance, um, from your mom and your family and everybody has a seat at your table. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about the different religions you had within, um, you know, uh, your family, but do you think there is anything else that drove them to be that way with you to treat you? Um, in order to be able to to display that to everybody else? Yeah, definitely. So, like, the way, like, my parents both immigrated to this country was, they're, they're both, like, I feel like they're almost, like, 
something to write about if that makes sense or if they're like Mm -hmm. fairy tale stories when my mom came here in the 60s or in like the late 50s 60s her family was the first one here they could essentially um they essentially came over and they kind of just got their feet on the ground you know my mom already had like a, a basic understanding of english but we slowly just got the rest of our family over as you know the 70s went on and you know as the war went on and that area of asia was just kind of um dealing with what they were dealing with um you know like at that time like war wise but you know when they came over you know coming to a new country that's very scary even today mm-hmm. and my mom was like my mom had you know taken all of like our all of our family members and even like all of like the you know everyone you know she was close to and she was like you're gonna stick with me I'm gonna like show you like how to dress how to you know how to um like how to speak how to use like the English slang because you know what you learn on a book in English is different from like you know what you learn you know like by talking to someone Mm -hmm. like for example it comes up a lot just because of you know just like midwest slang but um one thing that comes up is the phrase oh like oh i'm gonna like move past you it's a midwestern thing that apparently i i said uh, i remember being out in california i said it and someone was like what noise did you just make and i was like i was like <laughs> oh i'm just moving past you it's just a noise that we make you know or you know like i end some of my you know i don't end all of my words with a g it'll be like who are you talking to or where we walk in you know, I'm not walking mm-hmm. or talking, even now that just sounds kind of weird to say, but, <laughs> um, but I remember like specifically, like, I, you know, as, as time goes on, you know, some people just aren't accepting mm-hmm. of you, despite, you know, you know, your race or, you know, your orientation. And, you know, my mom's told me stories about how, like, it's been like her and it, it's been like her against the world just because of, you know, she, just because she was Asian. Um, so I think going forward, she's always she's always kind of told she goes, I never want that for anyone, especially like my own kids. And if my own kids are going to be the ones to, you know, kind of stand up to that, so be it. Mm-hmm. Or more like, oh, I hope that happens, because I hope I set that example. My dad came to the US. He's the only one here from Indonesia. My whole family is back in Indonesia on my dad's side. I've only met them on Skype. I've never been there once, but my dad goes back every once in a while. Um, and my dad met my mom in college and he, he, you know, she gave him the same talk, like, Hey, you're, you look different and you speak different. Someone's, you know, going to give you a bit of adversity or someone's going to push back a little. And I remember they kind of bonded through that, you know, like 30 years later, here I am, you know, me and my two sisters, but like in regards to like where that acceptance comes from. Uh, one thing that I advocate a lot for is TV come to life, like the prompt of like, what you see on TV can be very akin to like your, your real life, but also like, maybe sometimes it's a little fabricated, or maybe it's not always as it seems. Because I remember like growing up in the 2000s, TV was like our life, you know, uh-huh. we, we were watching, you know, Friends at 530 and Will and Grace at six. And and then Seinfeld at 630. And, you know, they gave us all these like kind of vivid ideas of how to, you know, tackle your everyday life. And one thing that comes up is, you know, like the the trope of like, you know, a, the, the gay character, the gay best friend who's, you know, a, a little whimsical. And, you know, they're, they're often made the joke of things. Um, and my, you know, my mom would see that on TV. She'd point at the TV and goes, don't you ever treat anyone like that. This is a TV show. 
this is like you treat them like they're humans and you you be nice to them because this is tv people wrote it this way to you know be funny because that's what we thought was funny at the time mm-hmm. um entertainment right yes it was entertainment. entertainment yeah and you know like as i grew up i kind of saw that on my own too you know like with um like I mentioned, Will and Grace, you know, there was one episode of The Simpsons, that episode from that 70s show, Oscar from The Office, and then the dads from Modern Family. And while they did have, you know, a good message behind them, I think that's one message I also spread is that, like, if you really want to get to know specifically the LGBT community, you know, go go join their community, go buy from their vendors, go support their businesses and establishments, you know, maybe go check out their parades or even, you know, see what is, find out the information that's on the petition you're signing. And that's the, that's the best way to get to know them because like the two, every, every gay person isn't like the two dads from Modern Family. And I stand strongly by that um, because like uh, growing up as well, you know, we see this issue where like, it kind of parallels like the current events where, you know, like, or at least my current events where I want to have everyone have a seat at the table, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that, you know, we have the right narrative at the table as well. Yeah. You mean your, your cousin and his husband are not like the, the two dads on modern family. That's not what their family's about. <laughs> Unfortunately not, but I would, I, I, I would like to say they've had some situations come up. Like I, I like the whole up, epi- like every episode, believe it or not, I've had those same situations with my family because I have a big family. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times it's, it's, I think that's their, um, do you eat dog question is, have you seen the, the, the gay couple on modern family? And it's, they're just like, yeah, we've seen that. We know, we know how to, you know, respond to that one. That's crazy. So I know like coming from like, um, like a, you know, a place of like exception, inclusion and emphasis, um, is like the way you show up to spaces and even workplace, like the way you commit to them is that shown with like an action or like specifically like do you think of or are there any like I guess like precautionary actions that you commit to when you think of like committing to be an ally because there's there's a few I think of for myself but I wanted to ask you this question first yeah no I think that's a great question um you know I think actions speak louder than words I think words hurt very deeply but actions and what you do really does speak volumes um, and, uh, you know, just like I was telling you how, um, I knew before my son ever came out to me as gay, as trans, that I knew that's who and how he was because I paid attention to him. I think you have to listen. I think you have to understand. Um, you know, when my, uh, son was in middle school there, we were at the eighth grade middle school, um, award ceremony and his friend, um, came out as trans as well. And in eighth grade, and accepted this award as Skylar. His his birth name was Spencer, but accepted this award as Skylar. And I remember looking at those parents and thinking, oh my gosh, I admire them so much for standing there with their daughter, supporting them and not caring because that's the appearance I had. That was my visual, not caring about anything. And that was like my first glimpse into the trans community Um, had uh, his other friend come out at a play in high school, senior year. Um, You know, he was the, he was the director um, pronouns, he, him. 
and then came out with Elio as his name. And again, it was another one where I was like, oh my gosh, that is amazing that they feel so comfortable and confident within themselves. So I actually asked my son, um, what do you go by? I realize now maybe I shouldn't have done it so bluntly, but I'm like, hey, why didn't you tell me about Elio? I, I was just kind of more taken aback and surprised and everything else. And he's just like, oh, I forgot. I'm like, well, you don't forget something like that, obviously, but okay, I'll give you that. Um, but how, you know, um, what do you go by? And that's when he was like Peyton, his birth name. And I was like, okay. Um, but I think at that moment I knew. So again, it's actions, it's listening, it's really paying attention. I think now it's paying attention to pronouns. I try very hard. Um, whenever I find out whatever anybody's pronouns are, they, them, him, her, I I try to do my best to call them by that because I, I have to make that mental note, but I feel like that is so important to show that you're supporting somebody. Um, because I've also seen it on the opposite side where, um, you know, it's, it's still the old name or it's still the old pronouns. It's like, that's not who they are. Please respect them for who they are and support them for who they are now. Um, so, so I may not be vocal and very, um, forthcoming with just kind of being in your face about it. But for me, it's more of that. I will listen to you. I will hear you. And that's how I'm going to support you. Um, trying to create that space to where people, again, I told you, I felt like I always create that space, but apparently I know there's things that I can work on to be better, but again, just listening to people and giving them that space to be able to speak and understand. Um, yeah. How about you? That's, that's great. I think I, I like that, you know, we kind of run parallel because I mm-hmm. feel like my allyship comes in a form of like a, a more vocal um, or yeah. more like um, a task driven or a more, I guess, I, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, um, you're more of a pro- outward protective person. I see it. Yes, like, yeah. Hey, you have problems. You go. come to me and I'm like, you can come to me and talk to me. Here's how I'm going to support you. Yeah, definitely. I, I have a few issues where that's um, kind of been a thing that's come up. I like to kind of, um, I, I know that like it's been an issue that's been kind of going forward and it's still kind of ongoing. Um, and we've talked about this before, but like with um, with um, transgender students and how they will, like at least here in the Midwest, they will fail gym class because no one will allow them to use either locker room to change and even like um, they might not be able to even use either bathroom mm-hmm. um, I you know I make it a point to my friends or to anyone just I always ask it's kind of like it's kind of like you know I, again I kind of relate back to the dinner table making sure everyone's got napkins and silverware I say does anyone want to use restrooms and need you like I will I will take you myself like I will I will make sure that you feel safe in a space where you can need do or want to perform those functions and a lot of times what's nice too is that even like when I go out, um, there's always like a, a family bathroom that they can use. It's always gender neutral because it's, you know, just meant for like a family. So that's kind of one thing I always suggest. And I was like, oh, wait by the door. No one's going to give you any trouble mm-hmm. because they'll have to go through me. The guide to being a male in the Midwest means that you have to be a bit more outspoken and you have to um, be a bit more affirmative. And I thought to myself, if I'm going to be that way for myself and I'm, you know, stick up for myself and be, um, you know, like the textbook definition of a, of, of a man, you know, why can't, why can't I use that to defend others who can't do that for themselves? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see it in every, in every kid's book, you see it in Harry Potter, you see it with, um, you know, like King Arthur and his knights. And I was like, if I'm going to be like that, I'm going to do it in real life. And I'm going to take care of the people who mean something to me. 
uh, I, for one of my side hobbies, what I do is I manage a lot of uh, card game players. We play Pokemon, we play Yu-Gi-Oh, we play Magic, anything you can think of, we play. Mm-hmm. One thing I coordinate for them is making sure that they can travel. If they want to go play in Oklahoma for, you know, a big cash prize, I'll get them on a flight. I'll get them on a Greyhound. I'll get their hotel scheduled and I'll make sure that they have the cards they can play with. I'll even make a packing list for them. I'll be like, did you pack enough socks? Did you, you know, like, did you pack your, you know, shampoo that you need because you use a certain shampoo, like for your head? I, down to the very bit. And I've even, you know, given them orange slices in between big tournaments. You know, I feel like, I almost feel like a soccer mom. (laughs) And when I do that, I always make sure I'm like, do you feel comfortable going to where you're going? Do you feel safe going where you go? And even like um, one thing that we do with um, some local businesses is we, you know, try and support them as best as we can. But the question is always, can my friends play here? Can they play here? Are you accepting or will you accept their money if they want to buy cards here or buy product here? And if the answer is no, we just there's no there's no question. You know, Have you no, ever heard no? No, thank, thankfully. Good, 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 good. No. I'm happy to hear that because I would have thought it would have you would have heard a lot of no's, but I'm glad you haven't. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, when you go state to state, it definitely varies. Uh, but you, you, what's nice is that, you know, all the communities that we're a part of, you know, like everyone's very nice and, you know, everyone's just there to have a good time and play the game that they love. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's important that we remember to have fun, but having fun comes with being safe. And that's, you know, something that, you know, we kind of realized also when um, this kind of segues into what some of my in-laws. Uh, so one of my in-laws, it's it's been described, or at least the way my sister described it to me is everybody knows and everyone's comfortable with that. He doesn't need to come out. But at the same time, like growing up, like just because he hasn't, you know, if, you know, you're in a, like a public place or a public setting, you know, some people might take that the wrong way. But in that case, it's always been, well, we'll have his back. We'll take care of it if anything happens. And to me, that's kind of what makes like a a safe environment or an inclusive environment. Um, The feeling of protection or the feeling that your friends will, you know, have your back no matter where you go. Mm -hmm. My friends would do the same for me. So you know, given we just kind of, you know, do that for each other. And that's kind of like how I foster that inclusion. Yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, my family, it's it's hard to say nowadays because we're all adults now. So the kids are having kids and we'll we'll worry about that when, you know, it comes for the, you know, the kids to have that time and moment. But I, I would say that, you know, I do worry about, you know, my, like I mentioned, like cousin Andy or, you know, like, uh, like any of my other, you know, family members of, uh, you know, any, um, any, you know, like label that they, you know, give themselves. I do, I do worry about them, you know, on a day-to-day basis. You know, I work from home, I stay here and, you know, I feel very, you know, sheltered and safe in my own dwelling. But, you know, some people have to go into an office and deal with, you know, like that and deal with the idea of like an environment that may be foreign to them. And uh, that kind of, and that kind of brings me like to, you know, like my next thing is that like, we've had these kind of milestones and then also like these kind of backward steps. Do you think that like, um, or do you have any stories of like any like kind of like milestones or backward steps that you've seen? Uh, like either, whether it be like at a, like a past job or like any like local business that you've seen, or even they could even be big businesses, you know, like we've seen what's going on with like the um, the is it 
Bud Light. I don't know the like the parent oh, yeah. company, like Anheuser. I think that's their name. Yeah, I could be wrong. Anheuser Busch. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, yes. So my son works at a camp. Um, he's actually working where we did our IRL at the Newport Dunes. There's a camp over there, there that is a camp counselor on, um, which is awesome. And um, everything was great last year. Went by the pronouns he, him. Even before he told me, he was going by the pronouns of he, him outside the house. And um, everything was fine. Well, this year they asked him to speak at the inclusion training for all new um, uh, camp counselors and things like that. And um, he was met with some resistance and some people laughing, <laughs> joking and doing things and just not being respectful. Um, he felt very unsafe and outed um, kind of at that moment to say, well, this doesn't feel good. And now I'm the only trans person in this work environment. And now I'm outed and it just wasn't a good environment for him. The person who met him with resistance, funny enough, um, uh, my son plays Dungeons and Dragons. And so he um, was started, he was in a campaign with this person and they just started playing. They have gotten to know each other and they, they are now friends, which is amazing. And again, it goes back to us saying, you've got to educate yourself. You got to get to know people. You have to learn about them because as much as he had resistance toward my son, my son also had resistance towards him. Um, and so I think once they kind of came to this common ground, they're now buddies and that's great. Um, but it just makes me sad that in this day and age, this is what we're faced with in the workplace. Um, and I don't feel like our current roles and our current jobs is that way. I feel like we do a lot here to be able to mitigate that. There's a lot of educational pieces like these podcasts that we're doing and all the pride information that was shared with us and, um, the support we have. And I know, um, you know, a while back, I actually went to a, um, a talk with two, um, men and, um, I think it was during equality week and it was about their relationship and I learned so much from them and, and it was their relationship. And I think the things that we do is taking that step to be in, not only say we're inclusive, but to be inclusive, which I think is amazing because I think it's two different things. Again, he was asked to give this inclusive training was met with resistance. I think, you know, the things that we are able to do. Um, people are pretty well open and being inclusive and and in the workplace. And I think that is so important because you're right. Safety is the most important thing. Um, when he went to his first Dungeons and Dragons, I'm like, are you going to, if you're not safe, you, you have to call me. I will come get you. Like you, you, I need to make sure what you're doing is safe because I feel like he is now met um, again with just, maybe he isn't met with, I now have this fear, um, this other, this additional fear of his safety. And it, it does concern me with the current environment that we are in, um, the climate that we're in political, as well as just, you know, all the laws that are being passed and all the things that states are doing, it's concerning. Um, and I think we just need to continue, even if it's just one person at a time, education is key and, and just having people understand and learn. You don't have to agree with it. It's just still having that understanding that gives you that empathy towards other people in general. Um, so I, what do you think? Um, do you think there are things that we can do better as an organization or even in the workplace that can continue down the path of being inclusive? I think from what I've seen at my, you know, year in happy money, I've seen that, you know, we've done a pretty good job, you know, accepting and being inclusive of those in our workplace, just because also like 
uh, the minute I log on to almost the minute I get off, if I'm not in like a meeting, I'm almost like kind of flying solo since I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've talked with, you know, my, you know, my boss about how, how awesome it would be if we were in an office together and, you know, we would be able mm-hmm. to get to go to lunch and we'd be able to just kind of be in the same ecosystem. Uh, but since we aren't, I think that makes us a bit more eager to communicate with each other. And I think that makes us a bit more accepting of each other. I think that it comes with, you know, like this, uh, we're on this kind of pendulum or this kind of scale where being open and, you know, like having, you know, skills, you know, kind of, kind of like balance each other out. Um, I think that from what I've seen, especially, you know, with Happy Money, the, the most skilled people are the most open to anything, whether it be new procedures or even new people, and especially, you know, the new, um, the new identities that those people take on, especially, you know, whether it be like their gender, um, their, their sexual orientation, or even like their, their race and ethnicity or religion. I think we're really good at, you know, being inclusive for that, um, for those kinds of uh, topics. Mm-hmm. I do want to say that I think, I think, I think you're just a good mom for worrying, you know, I still get calls from, you know, my mom, and you know, my, uh, my, my friends who are part of the LGBT community, they still get calls from their moms like, well, what are you doing? Where are you? And we're like, I'm 26. I, I'm sure I'm okay right now. Like I'm, I'm literally at the game store down the road. And they're like, well, you know, we're just checking. Did you eat yet? And they're like, well, I'm going to eat with my friend. You know, and it's like, you know, the, the back and forth, you know, it's like uh, that we do have. And, you know, it's, it's universal. Right. And, you know, as, as much as I'd hope to, you know, have that with, you know, my kids going down the road, it's just a, it, it's just a safety thing. And, yep. you know, like, like kind of like being, having skills and being open, I think fear and safety kind of go hand in hand. And I think that kind of is a good, that's a good thing in my opinion. And that's what kind of leads us to, you know, push to, you know, be allies and, you know, make allies of our friends and family yeah. and even strangers, of course. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned back to kind of what we were talking about before, I think, I think those five steps would really, I think everyone kind of goes through those. Um, in any order as well, you know, maybe getting uncomfortable and then doing the research and then being accountable for anything that you, or any, like anything that you used to think or you used to say, and then you listen and then you take action. And that's kind of, those are kind of my steps that I give to others for, you know, taking a seat at the table. You'd be surprised how many people come to me and they go, how do you like, how do you deal with so many people? And, you know, they have all these different, um, you know, characteristics and traits and identities. And, you know, they have all these different functions, especially, you know, like your coworkers and, you know, your card players and your families, you, you're you always like surrounded by eight people at once. And I'm like, it's just part of being open. And that's like the cool part about it is I get so much from it. Yeah. Well, it's so- been great sharing the stories with you today, learning more about you. This is honestly what I love. I love being able to learn about more people. Um, and, um, I hope that we can continue, um, to listening to others and, and hearing that their stories as to why they are on their journey or they are through their journey or whatever it is about being more inclusive and accepting. Um, but what do you think about taking ownership about our allyship? So I was actually going to say, you, you kind of just took the words out of my mouth, but in regards to taking, you know, ownership of that, it really is just like we mentioned before, it's your pride and, you know, your pride doesn't stop at the end of June. It goes on and, you know, you take pride in the fact that, you know, you have these wonderful people around you that shouldn't be, you know, 
you shouldn't stick a label on them or you shouldn't, you know, have this, you know, bias towards them just because they're a little different. You should have pride that they're different and that we get to be such a diverse, you know, ecosystem or we get to have such diverse communities. Uh, to me, that's kind of like how I take ownership is I just, I, I tell people every day that I'm, I'm proud of the people I'm around and I'm proud of the people that I work with and the people that, you know, I get to call my family because, you know, things have changed over the past however many years and they're going to keep changing and I'm proud to embrace that change and I'm proud to kind of tackle that head on as we go I'll hold your hand as we go I'll take care of things I'll I'll try my best to but for now it's you know like we just wait until we just wait until we see you know what that changes or how that you know how that kind of plays out yep I agree awesome any final words I, I can't think of any, actually. I just, I mean, take care of your friends, you know, like, you know, like check on your people, use your resources. It's, you know, something that's kind of come up all the time. You know, you can, it's, it's a, you can Google it. It's like a search away. The Trevor Project is a great, you know, research uh, and a great resource. And of course, just talk to people, educate people. Anything from you? No, I think education's key, honestly, education, listening, being open. But to me, I've learned so much. I, you know, I always think I know the certain things, but I've just learned so much just by educating myself. And I think that's just so important to do whatever you're curious about, whatever you have an idea about, whatever your, even your roadblocks are, you know, start doing some research on it. I, again, I'm glad you brought up the Trevor project. And I think there's many other resources out there as well. I do follow people on LinkedIn that have opened up my eyes to a lot of different things. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think we truly understand what it's like to walk in the shoes of somebody who, um, has been, um, you know, there's been hatred, there's been biases, there's been, you know, they're not accepted. And and until you've been in that place, I don't think people truly understand, but you can do your best to educate yourself to understand what people do go through. And then again, just be an ally for them, support them, listen to them, be there for them, fight for them, because that's really what it's all about. Well, here we are at the end of our Pride Pod sesh. However, these conversations shall not end here. How can we allies, or soon to be allies, wink, wink, continue to disallow, prevent, ignore, or be complacent with struggles and hardships that our fellow humans, Americans of the LGBTQIA plus communities go through simply to be themselves, their own true self. Yano segment in here, and keep in mind, I'm not like a constitutional uh, specialist or attorney or anything, but the Ninth Amendment of this US Constitution, albeit somewhat vague and hard for me to interpret, gives me some hope that with the right amount of public pressure, we can etch legislation in the books to protect the human rights of the LGBTQIA plus community. Human rights for everybody, right? Heck, I mean, to all communities who do us no harm in reality. The ninth alludes to the right to privacy for individuals and couples. Privacy in their personal lives without government interference. In conjunction to and with legality, we simply need more acceptance, more inclusion, and more voices like you heard in this podcast. So you can reach out to me personally on any medium to the PNC team to see what we can do to help you turn the beat around. 
Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. Catch you on the flip side.